go get 212 hits a season, roughly. Oh man, my beer's foam is falling all over me. Roughly a 353 average the next 20 years, and you'll be just 16 hits short of Pete Rose, the cheater, but also the MLB record holder for heats. He may have been a wizard at the dish, but he's got nothing on us when it comes to fantasy predictions. Ty, it's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Juan Soto that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening, Robert Baseball the Third. What? There's no other like me. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, there's nobody that rips an intro and spills some beer all over themselves <laughs> in mid, mid intro. Yeah. My left leg is soaked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just covered. I, special edition today, I'm coming to you from Sport Travel Park in the Sport Travel Studios here. So we are just getting started, but I think we would be um ill-advised to not talk about the washington nationals finally getting off the snide last night taking down milwaukee late in a game they did not deserve to win uh but oh, come on the straws did the thing that he's supposed to be doing you know it's i this- agree like everyone's hard on scherzer today like oh if they would have lost it would have been scherzer's fault i mean the guy threw 70 pitches through five innings like right the last it's- three Sorry, and it's gonna it's gonna be like this again, right? They're just gonna pull everybody. Doesn't matter who you are anymore. Oh, you're in some trouble. Pfft, out of the game. Just just let the guys do what they've been doing all year. Don't make special exceptions, unless it's a situation like putting in Strasburg because you don't want to lose. Not pulling Scherzer because he's seventy pitches in after five and not doing his best. It was yeah. it's playoff baseball, and it's not my favorite. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I'm, I think there's so much overmanaging that goes on in the playoffs. But when you're, when you're talking about a two-headed monster of Scherzer and Straz, that's a little bit of a different animal for me. I think they really were just trying to avoid using the pen. But I, I think the other part of it, too, is that they've also set it up so Scherzer and or Straz can come back after Corbin, and I kind of like that. Yeah. And depending on exactly where they're, um, I'm trying to think of where they're going to line up in their, uh, divisional series. Yeah. ALDS or NLDS. Um, yeah, it, regardless, they didn't screw anything up big time by putting Strasburg in. So well, I'm I cool think, with that. I think they kept Straws on a, a bullpen day. So I think that gives you Scherzer in game two on the road and Straws for game three at home. So I, I think good managing to be honest. And, uh, as, as Joe Madden is on his way out in Chicago and, Dave Martinez is is starting to show his strut a little bit in Washington. It's kind of nice to see, but let's dive in. Um, you know, you wanted to touch on the Jays for a moment, classic Homer edition, but let's, let's dive in. Yeah. Just a quick note. Cause I saw it and it was like uh, on the last or second last Jays broadcast. And I just kind of laughed. I'm like, okay, so it's a record. <clears throat> 
the Blue Jays with an MLB record for most rookies with 10 or more dingers in a season, six guys. Uh, you saw the, I don't, did you look at the list? You want to try to name them if you didn't see the list? I, I think I know most of them. Uh, Kevin, obviously. Yeah. My boy, Billy McKinney. Uh, <laughs> Your boy, a hell of a season. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I, I got him on league minimum. I'm pretty happy about it. Um, I think there's more there. Anyway, we'll leave that there. Uh, who else is a rookie on that team? Uh, Rowdy. Yeah. Um, Danny Jansen probably. Now yeah. I'm gonna start running out of steam here. I hope not. You're forgetting about the franchise. Vladdy and Bouchette. There you go. So that's the six. So um, yeah, congratulations, Toronto, on the record that will most likely be broken six times over the next two seasons if they don't change the ball. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, we we had a really great chat uh, last week about uh, players we trust heading into 2020, and we've got another group today. But we really want to hear about the guys that you're looking at that are maybe in that breakout tier to look for 2020. So hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Robbie baseball one uh, or me at tourney boss and you can get the podcast at dingers pod and we want to hear about it and we want to get into um, very confrontational arguments about these players so <laughs> bring, bring it on uh, um, so diving right in let's let's get into guys we trust last week we touched on all the boring positions uh, first base being the most prominent fantasy spot catchers being the least prominent and then relief pitchers that are the most replaceable players in all of baseball. So um, let's dive in today. We're going to go through some of the infield positions, third, short, and second. We're going to start off with the hot corner with hot takes. Dive in, Robbie. Alex Bregman, top three third baseman in Dynasty this past season, and no reason why he wouldn't remain in the top three over the next five years. 41 dingers, 120 walks, only 83 Ks. My God, I love that. 296 average and an OPS just over 1,000. He chipped in five stolen bases, and let's not discount 112 RBIs, 122 runs. Meow, that's tasty. Nothing's going to change for me. Bregman's there. That's that's your top guy at third base. Did he get enough games to carry shortstop eligibility? I don't know if he did this year. Well, I think Yahoo he did because one day he took a quick look at shortstop. So I know he got eligibility that way on Yahoo. I don't know. Um, I think the standard is start or play 20, 20 games at a position for CBS and fan tracks. Um, and to get eligibility, I think you just need to have appeared there five times, but then to to keep it for the following season, it's 20. So I don't know that he did get there this year. Yeah, I just uh -huh. wasn't sure if he played enough while Correa was out or not. But anyway, something to note. Uh, I mean, what's not to love about Bregman? He's everything you want in a fantasy baseball player. Kills all the categories. He's got that short porch and left that protects his home run totals. Therefore, keeps his um, counting stats right where you want to see him and his contact guy. So not much to say that you can dislike about Bregman other than people didn't like him when he played at LSU. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he wasn't the first pick in that draft. Right. Um, so yeah, Swanson, but anywho, he's, he's there. Uh, at two is uh, Nolan Arenado. He had 41 dingers as well. 62 walks, 93 Ks, a uh, higher average to at 315, a slightly lower OPS, 962. He's signed now long-term in Colorado. So 
even though we were really hoping for better things out of Colorado this year, when that too low situation arises and Arenado is potentially traded, that might reset where he is in dynasty. But right now, ride that pony. No reason that you wouldn't want a Bregman Arenado one, two. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, I do think there's better things in the future for Colorado here. I think they had a bit of a step back and hopefully they learn from it. But um, diving into a guy that was barely relevant last night, but also um, was a very important run, uh, Anthony Rendon, who we've talked about before, obviously has really come into the spotlight uh, now that Harper has left Washington. And he's just kind of one of those quiet stars that just gets it done. Um, very similar profile to Bregman. You know, it's just uh, maybe a little less uh, plate discipline, but but still very, very close. And, you know, the only real caveat with Rendon is you don't have too many of these superstar seasons. You have really good high-tier productivity out of him in the past, but this is the first one where I think he kind of is towed into that superstar tier. And it's just one of those ones that when comparing him to the other guys, um, I don't know that he's the superstar, but definitely fantasy relevant and top tier, no questions. Yeah, he just he just produces. And this year was at a, a record, or not a record, but a career best pace for himself. And uh, reportedly has been offered, I don't know if it's been um, confirmed or not, but a seven-year, 200-plus million-dollar extension from the Nats. So I'm wondering, I don't know right now if he's a penny and free agent or not. Uh, quick update, Bregman had 65 appearances at shortstop, 99 at the hot corner. So he will definitely be a shortstop eligible player next year even nice. more better yep more better <laughs> i like it um technical although, industry term here's something i don't understand though and this is totally unrelevant but why would you offer a guy a huge contract like days before the most important game of the season yeah it, i don't know why do you wait until the first week of the season to throw 51 million dollars away if you're the blue jays for the next five years on Kritchik. sometimes deals just come together at weird times or at least they leaked the offer maybe so that if they lost the wild card game, it would be, you know, some kind of stupid damage if he was to leave. Right. Uh, maybe they didn't want to see two studs leave year after year. Yeah, no, oh, I, I guess those knows. are all good reasons. I just, I think it leads to him thinking about stuff like that instead of focusing. Yeah, not, not the game. Right. Yeah. So diving into the next tier, this is one of my personal favorites uh, on the list and that's Josh Donaldson. He's a guy that I bought in many leagues in the offseason this year because I thought he was really undervalued. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't know that he was going to get, you know, kind of to that 100 across the board territory that he flirted with. Um, but uh, I did expect him to have a bounce back, and I think it looks good for him heading to the offseason. I think the Braves are going to try to bring him back uh, based on some uncertainty around Austin Riley. But, uh, yeah. I'm I'm at least trusting 30 home runs and kind of that 85 to 90 uh, runs in ribbies, and with an always respectable OPS out of Donaldson, it's it's always one of his hallmarks. So, I, I think it's one that you can trust moving forward, depending on where he ends up. If he he takes a payday in a bad situation, I'd be a lot more scared. But if he ends up on a good team that's going to be competitive, I would expect to see somewhat of a repeat of what you saw this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I know he's made some big lifestyle changes uh, as far as things to his body and his diet. Like he's now a vegan. So he is big time concerned about his career longevity. So I wouldn't see an issue with him 
potentially taking another one-year deal or something with options uh, that would be reasonable because uh, mutual options are kind of like automatically dropped, but something where plate appearances could come into play or something like that because he's got the money and he watched firsthand how Edwin walked in Toronto and Jose did not get paid and then came back and had that one-year deal and just tanked and then, you know, spent that last year just kicking around to three different teams. So um, I'm sure Donaldson's got some things going on in his head that he's going to be thinking about this offseason and and being on a competitive team is probably at the top of that list. And then whether he can be there for multiple years or not would be secondary. I think he wants to win and getting a World Series championship this year might change that. But a guy like him, I got to see him just wanting to be in the best situation. And like you said, Ty, Austin Riley did not come in and take third base away from anyone like Donaldson or anybody else uh, in Atlanta this year. So now there's a really strong chance that they're going to be wanting to pencil in another third baseman for next year and not thinking Riley can be that guy. Uh, They want to see what he's going to do as a sophomore. Yep, no, I, I completely agree uh, with everything except for one exception. I do think he's going to be looking for a payday, and I do think he's going to have lots of suitors. I, I think there's going to be some that look at him at first. I've said this a lot, like um, the White Sox need help on the corners. So I could see them being a potential suitor. He would have some home run pop there. He would give that stability to the middle of the lineup they need as the kids grow and mature around him. Um, I think he, with his bandana look, I think he could fit in just fine in Chicago. Um, so <laughs> there's a, there's a lot there. And Tim Anderson would be good. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think Mankata's rocking one too. Um, you know, you get Stroman there and you're laughing. So, Ooh. uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's team bandana or team personality. Yeah. Team ba- <laughs> bandana boat or whatever. <laughs> so diving in, uh, with, with him, I think it, it really, the situation will dictate how successful he is. Uh, there's always a potential for injury, but um, I think if you're going off stats alone, whether he's going to produce, I think he will. Uh, that's a kind of where we'll leave that one. For sure. And final guy on on the list to take a chance on is Kyle Seeger. Uh, go look at his stat line. I'll, I'll tell you right now, in just under 400 bats, 23 dingers, 63 RBIs, 44 walks, 86 Ks, a 239 average, 789 OPS, but horrible, horrendous start to the season and injury, obviously, with the under 400 at-bats. And his uh, his second half was great. I'm going to check right now because I only put in the notes to look at his last month um, for his stat line. But he was he was very good this uh, this final stretch of the season here. And let's see the final month. He was never mind. Let's not look at the last month. 202 with the 650. But he was he was only 89 um, at bat. So yeah, he had a great mid stretch of the season. And I'm betting on a stronger Seattle team really helping out. Uh, next year with him, you know, you got Nola Crawford, um, Hanniger should be back. You should have shed long tearing it up. Things should look good. Omar Navias as well, pitching in. So I'm, I'm saying take a chance on him. Obviously acquisition costs, things of that nature. I know I picked him up in a real money dynasty league. He'll be costing me six American dollars next year. Um, and I'm happy to pay that for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think he's a potential bargain bin option. I, I'm I'm not willing to throw my hat in on trust him. I just, I, th- there's too many peaks and valleys with Kyle Seeger. And uh, we've talked about this a lot. I, I don't like to play with the guys that don't have a high floor. So he just doesn't fit my profile and that's fine. Um, the power is always there. That's not really his issue. Swing and miss is definitely the concern there. So, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that, kind of fits the uh 
um, the potential get him out because he costs too much money model that's kind of running in Seattle. Right. So, you know, if there is a buyer, I think he goes in the off season. That would be my only thing. So uh, that could actually improve his value being in the big park at Safeco. I, I think it could create some interesting scenarios. And as we know, DePoto will not take this winter off. He is going to be busy. So yeah, maybe Seeger is either surrounded with more talent or shipped out for some younger stuff coming in. Like you said, Ty, the contract will be dependent. Um, so a few guys that, uh, I am done with. We are done with. I'll just say all three of them we can discuss as is. Uh, I don't think I ever started with any of these guys, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like Evan Longoria, one-time stud. He, You look at the stat line, it's going to trick you. Uh, Todd Frazier, very similar stat line, uh, but he is at a much lower acquisition cost. He's been a bottom-of-the-barrel guy for a few years. And Will Myers, um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think it was this year. I think it was 2018 but it could have so many things have happened. I don't know if I picked Will Myers somewhere around the 120 ish mark in our home league this year. Or was if this it was, year. Yeah. It was, so he was my first round pick son of a beach, Will Myers. And I dropped you. Um, you ruined my life. And uh, I ended up now I don't have a first round pick. You have a tie. So I, I am going to not have to make that same mistake again in 2020. Oh. And I can guarantee you, I will not be spending it on someone with the ilk of Will Myers. <laughs> that is a guarantee. And he is like, realistically speaking, he's an outfielder, but he's eligible in Yahoo and fan tracks at third base or CBS all across the board. So I put him in at that. I just wanted to say it as early as I can go away. Will Myers, nobody likes you. <laughs> uh, 239 average, 739 OPS, 18 dingers over a three to one K to walk ratio and tons of competition coming in San Diego to further limit your at bats this year. 16 stolen bases are going to trick a few people. If you look at that in the OPS, you're like, eh, things could turn up. You know what? As a former Myers owner, they won't. They're going to get worse. And yeah. you don't want to be in on that. It's well, not it's not his world anymore. Absolutely. And all three of these guys are like that. Todd Frazier's on the back end of his career. Uh, the days of the Todd father are are over. Uh, he's now the Todd grandfather and <laughs> ultimately that's, that's the end of it, especially I think his contract ends with the Mets this year. So yeah. don't expect them to retain him. Wouldn't make any sense with the money they have on the books to try and bring him back. So I think he's off to either Korea or the Marlins. One of the two <laughs> so, depends on if Curtis Granderson resigns. Right. So one of those things, but uh, we'll see it, it, That's kind of where we teed off for, for third base. I mean, it's, it's one of the, um, more shallow positions heading into this year, but there is potential growth with guys like Vladdy uh, and others coming to kind of change the depth of that position. So um, moving to probably the deepest position fantasy wise, uh, we're looking at a shortstop here and I, I had some fun with shortstop this year. I, there was nice to see some faces um, rebound and some guys take some steps forward. And then really there's some guys moving off into the sunset as well. Yeah, it was very much a year of change in shortstop because we were coming into the season thinking, is there depth for everybody or is this going to be kind of a, you better get a top six guy or your toast. So Ty, do you have any idea in our standard eight by eight format um, who the number one shortstop was this year? I absolutely do because he got excellent the minute I traded him. 
<laughs> I wondered, and that's why I put it. So, yeah, it was Xander Bolgatz. Uh, Bogey had 33 dingers, 110 runs, 117 RBIs, 76 walks, 122 Ks, 309 average, 939 OPS, and that's good for the top spot, probably just because Tatis got hurt. But that doesn't matter. That's who the number one guy was in an 8x8. Eight eight. Um, I, I see no reason why he's not going to be good in the future. So you can lock him in. Um, somebody for a lot of the time this year that had a lot of run support going on for him. And this is a comment that I was trying to um, defend my Devers talk with was there's been a lot of run support in Boston in and around that section of the lineup and everything else really trailed off. So who, who knows what's going to happen there this off season, especially because there's talk of Mookie, you know, possibly being dealt that could really just blow up the safety of that lineup, getting a lot of runners on getting a lot of guys who can drive those runs in. So I could see a potential dip, but I don't think it's going to be anything to really worry about from Bolgats. Well, I think I think the whole play here is to tell everyone that, that Mookie's leaving and so that JD opts out and they keep Mookie long-term. Mm. Uh, so I, 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 that's definitely not what they're trying to accomplish. I think there's and there's some bad blood behind the scenes here with Mookie Betts. That, yeah, why uh, else would it come into the public eye, right? Like, he, why would we know about it? He should never be allowed to leave a, a big market like that. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what, what comes of that this year. Um, but J.D. Martinez's contract is going to be a big-time problem for the Red Sox over the next couple of years if he does not opt out. Um, I think he would be silly too, based on the battle he had to get that contract in the first place. Well, it's just like David Price, right? Like everybody was um, saying, oh, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. And then he does. And now everyone's like, he's overpaid. He's overpaid. He's overpaid. Yeah. Like you are worth what someone is willing to spend on you. And Dombrowski's Red Sox were willing to spend on top tier talent to win a world series. They did. Sometimes when you do that, this is what you have left over when you may or may not be good enough to compete again. Now the Red Sox clearly don't have the pitching depth at this point, and they don't have enough in the minors that they can just draw guys up. And for some reason, you know, they're not signing the triple a kind of vet guys kicking around that they can pull up to put together a contending team. Not that they didn't have a perfectly fine team this year, but not playoff worthy. And as Dombrowski said, the guys weren't playing well enough for him to, you know, justify trading, <laughs> but realistically that was, I'm sure the cost acquisition for players was too much and he wasn't willing to do it. So, yep. I totally agree. I think the other thing is that people forgot is that they were awful to start the season. Right. Um, and it was really, well, it was great. It was great. I mean, the reality is, though, if they don't start that poorly, they're a playoff team, right? Yeah. So, I, I, you know, that happens, and it's hard to blame a GM <clears> for that. But I, I do think that had they injected a pitcher into that squad, I think they might have made the playoffs. But uh, it would have been a waste with Sale going down anyway. So, I mean, I think it ended up being probably best way to play out their season. Yeah, it just, I mean, it cost Dombrowski his job, I guess, because he – for some reason wasn't willing to uh, do whatever it was that they were expecting of him in this season. I don't know who they were going to trade away. That was going to somehow make it okay or make them more competitive. But anyway, Bogarts is good. Uh, Cattell Marte, a former Seattle Mariner um, has really established himself this season with 97 runs, 32 dingers, 92 RBIs. Uh, he really needs to get some more guys in Arizona on base. Cause that should be a lot higher for RBIs for him. 
10 stolen bases, pretty good uh, K to walk ratio, but the average career best 329, OPS career best 981. Uh, Marte's just solidified himself in Arizona. They, you know, seem to have a lot of a lot of pieces. We'll see how it all works out next year. Um, but I, I like Marte as somebody I'm just going to plug in and get him where I can. Yeah, again, another another guy that's just quality across the board. I think he's really uh, pushed himself into the elite conversation this year. I think you're bang on, though. That that team is not great. Um, it's They found kind of their, their middle infielder of the future. Uh, don't know if he's going to stick at second and they're going to move him to short. Um, you know, with uh, what's the other guy's name there? Can never remember. Like, like he played, he played plenty of short this year, but, uh, but it's just a matter of like, what's what is he, right? You and know, what's, it's like what's the guy? Network. Chris Owens is that the guy I'm thinking? Oh no, no, no! You're years behind. My goodness, Chris Owens, I think was scraping at bats out of Cleve or out of Kansas City this year. Why am I having a, a massive <laughs> gap in my memory here? Who's the, who's the other guy? Arizona. Like, like you're just talking positions for Arizona? Short, no, the shortstop, the other one. In Arizona, I don't know. I'll look it up on roster resources. He's been there for a year. For years. Like, he's been there. Like, are you thinking David Peralta as a, as no, a no, guy no, that's no. there? Like, he's an outfielder. No, that's, that's a guy that's actually good. Right. Uh, no, there's, a, there's <laughs> another shortstop there that I cannot, for the life of me, come up with right now. Okay, I'll look it up. But anyway, while this dead air uh just like continues to dry up here. We can talk about uh, Polanco in Minnesota, 22 dingers, two to one K to walk ratio, which is your sole concern, 295 average and a very solid 841 OPS. See, so, I, have, I have a little bit of a different concern though. Like there was a plateau in the stats here. Uh, I have some warning signs here. Um, that's not to say he's not serviceable. I just don't know. He's elite. Why don't you like him? He was, uh, he was popped. Oh, Nick Ahmed is the, Shortstop. That's, that's the one. Yeah, he he doesn't have the stat line though, and he's also very, uh, very much further back in the lineup. Um, but Polanco was popped for roids. I don't understand. How's he not on Team Pills? Uh, I, I don't. I don't like my roids up the middle. I like them on the corner. Eduardo Escobar. That's who you're thinking. I bet that's who you're thinking. No, so, it was definitely Ahmed. Ahmed was the guy. Uh, Ahmed was the guy I was trying to come up with because he he's been playing shortstop to start the season. I know Kettle got some games, but. Yeah. Uh, that was my question is, does he take over the games from a mod at short and then they move, uh, him elsewhere that that's all I was trying to figure out. So anyway, they don't but, have anybody else the Wilmer Flores is the other, um, second base shortstoppy guy. So yeah, it's regardless, it's one of those middle infields. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, uh, and with Polanco, it's just a matter of there's some plateau there. Um, really, really great piece of the season, but also some flat spots. That's all my concern is. Yeah, he started well. He, I think he's done okay. Um, I'll check the last month, but we can move on to guys we'll take a chance on here. And for me, Danny Santana is my pick out of Texas. Multiple positions, uh, 28 dingers this year, 81 runs and RBIs on a team that should be better in the years to come. Uh, here's the thing, and this is, of all the guys that I looked at here, this is the most striking K to walk ratio. Six Ks for every one walk. He had 25 walks this year. Ugh. But if that gets to four to one, his OPS would be well over 900. And that's when I'm going to go ahead and say, 
this is why we have to take a chance because this is a guy who could easily pop up. And, and now we all know who he is, right? He, he got enough time this year that we know who he is. Um, I think he's more second base than short, but he's eligible there this year and next. So I put him in here and I'm just saying, have a look, you know, there's yeah. a reason why. Well, and I mean, anybody that hits the ball in the air in Texas is going to have some home run pops. So the power numbers should be there. I mean, he kind of fits a profile that I look at a lot, which is great numbers and you're just punting the strikeout category in uh, an eight by eight. So not, not a guy that I stay away from, but um, I, I'm unsure about Texas in general. I, I didn't draft yeah. anybody outside of Nomar Mazzara this year. And that's just because I and like that me. worked out well. <laughs> I'm just a hu- huge fan of mediocrity. That's that's really what I chase. Well, so, like you said, it's you. You really enjoy the idea of upside, and Mazzara has been nothing but a guy who should have better seasons and should have better seasons and should have better seasons. But when we get into outfielders, I am more than happy to talk about it. Jorge Polanco real quick. His yep. last his last month, uh, in 88 at-bats, he had a 250, 700 OPS, um, six walks to 20 Ks, two dingers, 16 runs. So, you know, productive, not not great. Like you said, you know, ebbs and flows with him. Just so, plateaus. Yeah, like I think you'd put him in. I'd be okay to have him on my team next year on pretty much any team I'm on. So I mean, my my home team has Tatis and Corey Seager, so I'm pretty happy. I don't need a the the garbage that Jorge Polanco brings to that. What position. a lead in! What yeah. a lead in! <laughs> <laughs> not, not my first time. <laughs> so leading into our next candidate, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, very nice rookie campaign. Yeah, the guy's a stud. And yes, but the the fans of Babip will go bananas about, oh, he overproduced, blah, blah, blah. The kid raked, he hits her power, he steals bases. Uh, the, he, I, I said it before and I'll say it again, he fits the young Hanley Ramirez profile. That's That's the profile that we need to compare him to. And I think that's what we're going to get out of him moving forward, especially as that Padres lineup gets better and it will, and it will continue to get better with some guys in front of him. Like uh, Luis Sirius will find the batting average that everyone expects him to find at the pro level. And eventually he'll have guys in front of him instead of hitting one, like he did this year, he'll find himself in the two or three hole and that roster will be very dangerous. Yeah, San Diego is definitely going to be a really fun team to profile this offseason as we can go through their lineup and just see where the potential does lie. Um, and I'm with you, Ty. Like, I think Tatis is good. I wish that he would have had another 200 at-bats this year so we could have got to see, you know, what might start his April, May next year. And then if, if he does, for some reason, start slow, it's, it's unfortunate that Twitter exists because everyone's just going to crap all over him because he is going to in every redraft be very highly sought after and the other thing too is um the cost acquisition for him in dynasty is going to be just ridiculous like if you have him and you're not sold on him like you were saying you've got him in a, in uh, him and seager in a cup in one league that that's the guy who somebody should be coming and offering you the world for because why wouldn't you after what you saw this year right now it's a matter of whether you want to trade it away or not but you should be able to do it. We've seen uh, as a rookie Tatis traded so many times, sorry, as a prospect before he was like up in MLB traded because it was that big class of guys with him and Vlad and Otani and Acuna and everybody else. Well, uh, 
let's just see. Let's see what season two has in store. I can't wait. I uh, definitely would take a chance on Tatis if I had him. Absolutely. So, and diving into my second shortstop, a guy that you're willing to give up on. Absolutely. I'm willing to do this time. I'm willing to and pour one out. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that would be a huge mistake. I alluded to my trade earlier that I made this season. I traded Xander Bogarts for Corey Seager and partly because partly because my season was already over and I saw an opportunity to buy really low on Corey Seager. I think we just watched the peak of Xander Bogarts. If Mookie Betts leaves Boston, which it looks like is, is on the horizon that kills Xander Bogart's value. That's a fact. So I agree. I, it, it kills Bogart's. I think it really hurts Devers. And then like you were saying, JD, we'll see what goes on. Right. Correct. So, I mean, I got out early on Bogart's to get in on Seager, uh, who I think is the better player in all honesty. Okay. He is 20. He'll have a 20 played 25 this year. So he will be 26 next year. Um, yeah. Like his stat line is not either depressing or outstanding, but uh, his last month, he was just under 300 OPS over 900, but for the season, 272 average, uh, eight, 818 OPS, 19 dingers, and this is in just under 500 at-bats in the 80s for runs and RBIs and a single stolen base. So, you know, he's not uber elite, but like you're saying, Ty, you're looking at him as upside, and I, I mean, by the age, of course, of course, there's I, upside there. I think you're looking at next year. I think you're looking at 305, 950, 30 bombs, 110 RBIs. That's that's what I'm putting on the table. Write that down, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm telling you guys, buy low here. Like, there's so many people that are disrespecting Corey Seager right now. He had all of the right tools and all the right things going pre Tommy John, all he did was miss a season and he'll be back. So, uh, this was an easy acquisition for me and I recommend you guys do the same. I, I would say, because I'm done with him for this reason, I bet you in a lot of the contract leagues, he has ridiculous contracts. So hit us up at dingers pod. Let us know what your Corey Seager contract is in your league. So is he a $20 million guy? Uh, is he a $10 guy? If it's a $200 league or something like that, I'm very curious to know because I think that's going to be the big problem in a lot of dynasty formats that have contracts is that Corey Seager's cost on the contract isn't going to make you say, no, thank you. I don't want that. So anyway, moving on to somebody else. No, thank you. I don't want that. Elvis Andres. Uh, Andres did not have the best year ever, a solid 275 average, but the OPS just over 700. And this is a full season. This is 600 at bats. And again, we're talking about Texas and you know whether things get better or not. 81 runs, 70 RBIs, only 12 dingers, 31 stolen bases. And that's the thing that is going to draw a lot of people in. But right now I'm looking at a three to one K to walk ratio. And I'm not seeing the upswing with Texas, but I am seeing... Andrews as a locked in shortstop. I would only take a flyer on him in a deep league if I, I don't know why, but for some reason didn't have shortstops available because my love of Troy Tulowitzki has finally gone astray as he will no longer be available to get to sit on my IL spot. So I'm done with Andrews. Yeah. And, and for good reason. I mean, it's definitely the sunset on his career a little bit and ultimately I think he stays in Texas because he's got a pretty good contract to play with. He may 
take the shot to go somewhere else. I just don't know who's going to be looking for an older shortstop in today's game. So I, I think ultimately he'll stick it out in Texas and that probably stings a little bit for the Rangers. Um, but ultimately I think a guy that can still provide you kind of that Brandon Crawford level production that we've known to kind of love as a waiver wire or um, cheap acquisition guy over the last couple of years. I think Andres is, is kind of falling into that category moving forward. Yeah, he's, he's 31 right now. So next year he'll start at 31, finish as a 32-year-old and hitting out of the two-hole in Texas. So um, I'm just looking to see if it says he is a penning free agent or not. So I think he has an opt-out. He does? Okay, just uh, all I'm looking at options. It's, I'm looking at roster resource. Again, now that we're in the offseason, I can go to rosterresource.com and uh, check for all the info that I need and then struggle to not get it. So anywho, um, he's not yet a pending free agent that I can see, but like you said, Ty, if he's got an opt-out. And, and Texas is kind of turning the page in some other areas. You know, Nick Solak, we should see Willie Calhoun just left field, I guess. That's his position. That's where he's going to go. And Danny Santana, like we said, he can play all over the field. Um, and we'll we'll talk about another Texas staple for, a, a, I don't want to say a long time, but another Texas staple soon enough. But um, I was I was pretty sure we would get a good conversation going about my, my final guy that I said I'm done with, which is somebody who earlier this year I was praising you for having, which is Paul DeYoung. Yeah, I'm out. I, I stand by Paul DeYoung um, mainly because I drafted him and I got to make sure it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, uh, <you> have no <laughs> choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, ultimately I, I still think there's a lot in the tank there talking about a guy that's still very early in his career uh, still has lots to prove. And that lineup has been disappointing to date, but they got into the playoffs in our office pool. I've actually selected the Cardinals to win the World Series. And Whoa. I know that is a very unpopular Whoa. pick. Very unpopular pick. But uh, they have a lot of heavy baseballs coming off the mound, which plays well in the cold. And ultimately, Houston's about the only destination that doesn't have that. So as long as they don't get Houston in the finals, then I think there's a really good chance um, we might see them uh, get through. I mean, Atlanta's not really cold either, but uh, I just don't think they're going to they're going to produce. So you just pitch around a Kuna and I think you'll see a different animal. Um, but I, I liked young because I think the power numbers are going to be there. And so when you get into this next tier of shortstops, I like him to give you the power profile. And as you look at guys like Tyler O'Neill start to come uh, into their own. Oh man, you and O'Neill. <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys, you guys love to give up on my hello. My name is post hype boys. Um, and, and Tyler O'Neill fits that profile to a T Paul DeYoung fits that profile. And as we've talked about last week and in previous episodes, Goldie will be back. That lineup's going to be a heck of a lot deeper next year. I expect DeYoung to be a bounce back candidate, even though I don't think he was that terrible this year. Just wasn't elite. Yeah, like the the numbers aren't great. I mean, he's 20, 26 to finish this season, but his season numbers, 233 and the OP, or average and the, the uh, OPS at 762. So it's not screaming numbers. And the K to walk is two and a half to one. So stolen base is just a hair shy of 10, not nine. And then uh, runs were great. 97 runs, 30 dingers. And he was one of, I think it's 54 guys that hit 30 or more dingers which just sounds crappy right that that many guys are hitting that many home runs um so i think 
you need to be in a position like he is right now. I think batting typically fifth or sixth in St. Louis with guys on base. So you can really up your RBIs and he must've played a bunch of the season either at the top or at the bottom of that lineup. Cause he's only sitting at 78. So that means that he has had many solo home runs this year. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just not willing to go in on DeJong myself. We'll see how the off season progresses. And like you said, you know, the lineup should be better in St. Louis next year. And maybe there's a great playoff run that can change our minds. We've seen it before with other guys. Um, you know, not that we're going to say being the major or sorry, being the world series MVP is going to get you much. Hello, Steve Pierce. Yes, absolutely. So um, moving ahead to our final position of the day is the second base or keystone as they like to call it in the beer store. Keystone light this year. Uh, well, second base be keystone light. <laughs> I think that would be fair. Um, when, when DJ LeMayhew is maybe your top second baseman, that's terrifying. Um, Ozzy Albies had an excellent season. We'll get to him in a moment, but um, you know, I think ultimately uh, I absolutely scripted the DJ LeMayhew success for this season. Um absolutely called him being a stud in New York uh, called that he would end up in New York and he was the perfect fit for them. And I don't know if Brian Cashman's listening, but if you are Brian, you're welcome. <laughs> and, and ultimately this, this was an easy one for me. I, I, I mean, the kid can hit, there's no questions. I think I was surprised a little bit by the power numbers, uh, yeah. which kind of jumped a little bit this year which is good. I mean, good for him. Uh, you just don't see a lot of people get better power wise when they leave Colorado. That's just kind of a rare scenario. I, I wonder if he is the only player and actually, actually wait, one of two, I will say who has left Colorado and then had a, I don't want to say a breakout cause he's, we already knew about him. He was, he was already a really good player and he, you know, won a batting title, but left Colorado and had a considerably better season this the following season. Like from 2018 to 19, he had 19 more runs, 11 more dingers, 40 more RBIs, only one less stolen base from six to five. But uh, he had nine more walks. And in that, what are we doing here for at-bats? In 70 more at-bats, he only had 90 Ks from the previous year at 82. And the average was right back where it was two years ago, 327 OPS, just under 900. Like, DJ LeMahieu is awesome. Like, and first, second, and third base eligible. So I'm going to check fan tracks right now to see if that's going to roll over to next year. But my goodness, like, he's a great guy to have on your team. And if he's at second base for you, lock it in. Yep, he, he may be the starting second baseman on team post-hype. And I, I, th I think that's just exciting because uh, it bodes well for us hanging that tag on other players. Yeah, because everybody was like, eh, LeMahieu leaving Colorado. You know, exactly. not, not really concerned with what he was going to do moving forward. So um, here we are. Then the only other player that I was going to talk about was uh, leaving Colorado and having a, a good season was Tom Murphy. Uh, who finally got the playing time in Seattle, but that was all lefty mashing. And we've seen that before. So this year, uh, 40 games at first. So he will be first base eligible, 75 at second, 52 at third. So LeMahieu will still be a trifecta of trouble for position yeah. eligibility next year for second and third. So that's stud. awesome. Absolute stud. Yeah. So moving on to a, uh, up and coming, obviously not a good negotiator uh, for contracts, but Ozzy Albies really established himself 
again this year. Uh, stat line is better uh, or very similar to better. Same dingers at 24. This is a full season for Ozzy. This is 640 at bats, and last year he had 639. So 100 plus runs, 86 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, 54 walks to 110 Ks or 112 Ks, and then a 295 average, 850 OPS. Great, awesome. Lock it in, baby. I mean, Ozzy Albies kind of reminds me a little bit of um, a similar but not exact profile to Chase Utley. Just a really flat swing, uh, plays the second base position, obviously. And I think ultimately just a guy that um, is, is going to make a lot of contact because of that flat swing, which was always Utley's hallmark. Uh, now, when it comes to his contract negotiating, I'm interested to see why that was a bad contract considering he negotiated pre-eligible or RB years um, bef- and into his longer term agenda. Thought that was a pretty good deal for him. Well, I think it got panned because Alby, or sorry, because Acuna's extension was so much bigger. And it was just like, why wouldn't he have bet on himself instead of taking the money? Which, well, that was the whole thing, right? Why wouldn't he have bet on himself instead of this and that? So I'm, it was a joke, Ty. It was a joke. I'm a funny guy, man. All right. I'm, I, I'm not a, I'm not offending Ozzy Albies and his family like the uh, Atlanta announcer did early in the season, saying he's essentially saying that he's dumb and doesn't understand how money works. But um, yeah, I, I, I just I thought that that was a weird contract because what's it what was it like five or six years for sixty something million and yeah. I think it was over a mil or over a hundred million or something. Yeah, he so, just hadn't done a whole lot yet. That's the only thing. Like he had he, a really he, good first season. Uh, it was it was good, good, but I mean that's still we've seen lots of rookies uh, come and have great seasons. Uh, Eric Kinski, where you at? Um, and then fall yeah. off of the map after that, right? So two time World Series champion. <laughs> you know, you know, once as a but like a batting coach, maybe he was there. He was there. Well, <laughs> he went to, I think three in a row, but anyway, like you were saying with Albies, I do agree. I think, I think he's a, a good second baseman on a really good team. Just like Otley was a, a good second baseman on a really good Phillies team. Um, and that's obviously to his massive advantage and somebody else that's a really good, he's a multi-position eligible guy, but, uh, really good second baseman is max muncie the came out of nowhere last year guy who um a lot of people were wondering what was going on with him he's 20 played the season as a 29 year old he'll play next year as a 30 year old um he just he hammered it all home again in an extra 100 at bats this year over 100 runs 35 dingers which matches last year 98 rbis so everything essentially went up as you would expect it across the board for him except for uh, his OPS dipped and the average went down just 10 points, but um, he's a good baseball player and there's no reason why you wouldn't just plug and play him on a really good Dodgers team come 2020, 2021. Uh, absolutely. He fits the profile of guys that I stay away from for absolutely no reason. <laughs> um, just one of those guys that I just don't draft and there's no rhyme or reason. That's just all. You just don't get them. That's all. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And there are lots of guys like that for all of us out there. So um, guys, we take a chance on, I could only honestly think of, of one David Fletcher. You could say Tommy Lostel here because LA has multiple eligible guys, but Fletcher. And I love this 18 dingers, 290 average, 734 OPS and 55 walks in 600 at bats, but only 64 Ks. So why not? take a chance because he doesn't have a single category. Well, the sum of his parts is the reason multi-position eligibility doesn't hurt you in any category, 
but the dingers and that's easy to make up right now because he's not actually hurting you it's just you know he doesn't have 30 of them so there's two other guys i'm going to throw into this this part um one being Kevin Biggio, because I think um, the super deep leagues know a lot about Kevin Biggio, but I think a lot of people are still a little naive about his profile. Uh, Sorry, really- Sorry, I misspoke. He only had six dingers. I don't know why I wrote 18. I guess wishful thinking. That was the reason why I wrote in about the six, six dingers, not 18. Kevin Biggio, good at baseball. Please continue. Yes. So ultimately a guy that I think it doesn't get enough press yet. Um, next year, I think he'll have uh, a, a breakout season very early in his career. Uh, he's done nothing but get better from the day he was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, a guy to watch for True. the, o- the OPS is going to be there. And I think there's a better power stroke there. Really solid uppercut swing. Uh, I think that'll get a touch flatter in the off season. That'll be the only thing I expect to see uh, come next season, slightly flatter swing, which should lead to uh, more production, a better batting average. And cause he's definitely got the plate discipline. It's there. It's really obvious. So that's a guy that I want to add there. The second guy is definitely on uh, the back end of his career, but I'm predicting a bounce back uh, next season. And that is, it's not going to be popular. And I'll say now uh, as a Robinson Cano. I, I think he's going to be a guy that people forget about, but a guy that I think you're going to be able to get late and acquire for almost nothing. And I think if you give a good asset in a contract league, I think you can almost get him for free. Cause I think some people throw some money in to get him off the books. Yeah, absolutely. Depending on the cost for him, I can see that like this was certainly a down year for him. He had some injury struggles in 18. He has injury or sorry, not injuries. He had the suspension in 18, but in 19, some injuries at the stat line is similar. Uh, average and OPS are down. He was at 256, 735 this year from last 2018 at 303 and 845. Um, but yeah, like he doesn't K a lot. He's not walking too much. Um, obviously not a stolen base threat, zero the last two years. But uh, interesting. I'm I'm not going to be in that camp. Uh, but I mean, I am a Depoto guy. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting, Ty. I, I yeah. When we go through, he also has on Yahoo at least. I'm just looking right now. First and second base eligibility. So he must have got a single. Yeah, I'm just saying at a, at, at a very shallow position, I right. like him as a bounce back guy. I think it's a, it's a scenario where if he was a shortstop, no chance. But at second base, I, I like him as a bounce back. Yeah, and so for some guys that we are absolutely done with, all for the sake of time, rhyme them off, and then we can discuss as needed. Daniel Murphy in Colorado, Brian Dozier in Washington, and Rignard Odor in Texas. I'll touch on him first. F you, Odor. You suck. You have for two years now, and we're looking at the Texas system to figure out who's going to bump you uh, if you even get a contract offered this year. 30 dingers won't save you in this MLB era where you have over a 4-1 to K-to-walk ratio, 11 stolen bases. Is that interesting? No. Your age, you're about 26, I think, for next year, but your average at just around the 200 marker I don't want it. I don't want it. Be gone. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy that just totally closed off the left side of the field. And you see a lot of these pull hitters tend to be guys that disappear late in their career. Jose Batista was a guy like that. Uh, Rudin and Odour is a guy like that. Ironically, 
they both started to suck at the same moment when Odor punched <laughs> Batista. So maybe there's some correlation to that moment in time. Like if we were to do the crazy man in a room with a bunch of strings kind of coming together, there's just that moment that of then time. That's what interlocks all of it is. <laughs> it's the end of some movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I found it. I found it by Scott. I figured right. it out. It was the that, moment when Odor punched Batista that the power <laughs> From Odor left Batista, and the ability to hit a single left Odor. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it, right? So um, I didn't even know the other two guys on your list here were starting second baseman. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> almost got him to spit the beer out. Almost. Yeah. Uh, that OV <laughs> is really foaming in my mouth right here. That That's right. Old yeah. So um, <laughs> Daniel Murphy, though, I know, you know, had some uh upside heading into the season in Colorado this year but ultimately just lost all of his power it's just gone yeah uh it disappeared and and for playing in Colorado that's a bit surprising um also a big reason why Colorado sucked this year uh, i've said it and i'll say it again he will be replaced by Justin Smoke that is the match made in heaven uh the big outfield to help smokey against his troubles against the shift and the fly balls will leave the yard. Justin Smoke to Colorado will replace Daniel Murphy. That's the end of Daniel Murphy. It'd be it'd be neat. Like he doesn't even need to replace him. But but like Murphy had a really rough 2018 and was traded. But the end of season for Murphy was fine. Almost a 300 average, just under 800 OPS. But going to Colorado, everything and everyone was like, oh, it's all going to jump up. I don't know why it's automatic. But we saw with Ian Desmond, it's it's not automatic. Like just because you were successful for a short period of time somewhere does not mean you go to Colorado and you're better because the field's huge. Like his average this year at 279, his OPS at 780 doesn't sound horrific, right? Like that's not a fail. But what it is, is the second season of a decline in a player. And the power, like you said, Ty, is gone. He had 13 dingers this year and 56 RBI or sorry, 78 RBIs, but 56 runs. And the walk to K ratio is over two to one, two and a half ish to one, but not high regardless. And he did have 400 plus at bats this year, but it doesn't matter to me. Like I I'm not seeing Daniel Murphy coming back. Just like everybody was saying about Ian Desmond, like every year Desmond was going to get it together in Colorado and it didn't come together. I'm seeing the same thing with Murphy and I'm out. I'd rather be out a year early on him and Dozier's the same thing. Like Dozier was, you know, decline and then got traded and didn't have a great finish to his season and then ended up in Washington it's a 770 OPS and it could bump up and the thing that everything could look a, a little bit better. Um, but don't get fooled by it. Like Dozier and Murphy and Odor, not guys to invest anything at all in. Not at all. I want to see them spend the entire off season with Eric Thames, do huge <laughs> arm workouts all season and just lean into the Dan Ugla profile. Yeah, baby. 40 bombs. That's um, right. Cause it's not working like, and, and Murphy was the launch angle you know, darling, right? Like all of a sudden he got his snot together with the Mets and everything looked good, but that's over now, you know, and with Dozier, it's over now. And he's also, Dozier's also probably going to get pushed out um, with Washington's younger core coming up. So it, I I think it was a three-year deal or two-year deal. I think he's going to find himself on the bench uh, starting early next season and not getting much playing time unless he's really getting um, some bad bit luck. 
Yep, I totally agree. So that that is the depressing end <laughs> for second base, but uh, we've now covered our infield, and obviously we have to give some respect to the outfield and a full dedicated episode to starting pitchers. Um, a busy off season ahead for us. I've had some really good uh, interest with um, dynasty players who have said, can we do an episode on contract leagues? Can we do an episode on auction leagues? And absolutely. We definitely can. We play in them. We know about them. We know about the points league structure. We know about the category structure and we are going to deep dive into all of that for you. And of course, before January, the prospects. Everybody wants to know with the upcoming rookie drafts who they need to be taking. We're going to go through all of that for you as we chip away at the offseason, which is not really an offseason in Dynasty. You do not sleep in fantasy baseball unless you're a loser. Or Kevin Biggio taking pitch one for strike and pitch two for strike. <laughs> There's, yeah, also that. Yes. So until then, we will wait on Kevin Biggio to swing and we'll see you next time on Dingers. This is Dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head Please don't do me no favors We're always watching waivers Ain't no minor league This is major Yeah Dingers Let's go